first half. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the At The Hive podcast in the regular season. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, more than we had planned since another episode dropped, but stuff's been going on. Um, but now stuff's we're back. Stuff's been going on. <laughs> a lot of stuff's been going on, okay? And uh, don't don't you worry about what it is, but everything's good. Um, <laughs> so we are 10, we're recording this live during halftime and eventually into the second half of the Hornets game uh, against the New York Knicks. Um, to this point, the Hornets are five and five, which just right off the bat, I think that's probably in line with what we were thinking. Yes. No, pretty much. Yeah. Dak. Yes. Every time we lose, we'll never win again. And every time we win, we'll (laughs) never lose again. (laughs) That's, that's been the thing that's killed me this season with, uh, Hornets fandom and just the internet in general. Well, not it's, it's everywhere. Uh, it not not that like you should listen to me because I'm super smart or anything, but like I'm said a lot on this podcast and then on at the hive and on Twitter. Like, hey guys, look, I know we have our certain expectations for the season, but remember, every NBA season starts off weird. Um, it usually takes a few weeks before stuff starts to level, like find its level. That happens every single regular normal season, uh, and this season is not normal. Uh, there's no off season. Well, like the Hornets had a super off season, a super long off season. Other teams had like no off season, and there was no training camp or anything. So it's going to be really weird. And then when some really weird stuff happens, like the Hornets losing to the Cavs and Thunder to start the season, everybody lost their minds. Like this team is trash. This team's garbage. And then they won a couple games, and it's like, oh, maybe they're not. Maybe they're actually great because they beat the Nets and Mavericks. And now I think we've kind of found our middle ground that we all expected to be at half uh, at this point. Right. And there was no summer league. There's yeah. no G League to like get people reps or anything. The all these teams are trying to figure out how they're going to operate, and that's not even to get into COVID protocols and whether or not they're going to have players or not have players. Or yeah. is KD going to miss six out of the ten games? <laughs> like we're every, all of these teams are trying to figure out how to operate in this very special season. Um, but I still stand with my statement that every time we lose, we'll never win again. <laughs> yes. Every time we win, we'll never lose again. It has been funny that there's been a trend, and it's it's they've kind of undone it recently because they've beaten bad teams. But for the first, what was it, five games of the season, the Hornets lost. The Hornets were two and two, and or two and three even, and they beat all the teams I think they were significant underdogs against, and they lost to the teams they should have quote unquote should have beaten. And the Cavs, Thunder, and then the Grizzlies, and then they beat the Mavericks and Nets, uh, and then they get killed by the 76ers, which was expected. And then I think their wins in recent games have been, uh, if not expected, at least not surprising. But so we're at where we're uh, at where I think we expected to be. We'll talk in more detail about like individual players um, on the other side of the break. Uh, I want to talk about for the Hornets. Um, what do you guys think about like or the way they play defense? Because they did this all last year, and I've been surprised to see them do it this year. But they play zone like ninety percent of the time. Do you like that? 
I, I think it works really well when PJ is playing center. It sure I think I, it, it's it's a very good uh, like strategic call by Borrego to just kind of be like, you know, we're giving up a lot in size here, so we might as well just like kind of spread out our defense <laughs> and not necessarily it kind of just eliminate that size advantage and have you you have so many people that are already like close to the rebound when a shot goes up most of the time because of how like zone rotation works that it also kind of helps with the rebounding too yeah so i mean as long if you don't have biz out there i I like i I know that'd be weird to do in the nba but i'd be pretty fine with them going like pretty much all zone like the whole time i mean that's pretty much what they do anyway you know i think i don't i think they pretty much do it exclusively when pj's out there uh, they, I think they play a little more man with business out there because you can tell they have their like rules, so to speak, um, and man to man defenses that everybody switches except for biz because yeah, I, I, I think that's more, I think that's more of, because uh, biz can't, yeah, biz can't <laughs> yeah, I don't, I think that's more of a disservice, like a, uh, not a, an insult, but more a indictment of business ability to guard the perimeter than his like necessity in keeping him on the center. Do you like the zone Zach? Yeah. And you want to put. You want to put people in advantageous positions for how yeah. they play their game. You have to play zone with the people that are playing at guard. Um, even when you're not giving up height, like Lamelo is six seven, you know, officially, mm. um, but he doesn't know how to play professional defense, and yeah. those stakes to happen and allows for people to follow up on those mistakes. I think that if you if we think this team is a playoff team, you're going to get exposed on the zone. You're going to people are going to find uh, wide open shots with the zone. Um you can't play I mean maybe you can only play LeBron James with the zone, but LeBron <laughs> James is going to score on the zone for sure. Um so I think that especially when you're playing team that league you can play zone and win with that and i think this team especially with cody out you have to play something that allows for mistakes to happen especially in and around the perimeter and that's what that's what zone does the hornets by the way are third in the league in steals and 12th in blocks uh the 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 thing with the zone is like the heck out of some balls yeah, PJ had six blocks on Saturday. Um, thing about the zone is that like it's not always, and it, and this goes to the PJ Wash, the other kind of general lineup thing I was going to talk about. Uh, it doesn't always look great, um, just with like how players are just like players are getting catches, like open catches, like in the corner and on the wing sometimes. But the Hornets are doing for the most part a good job rotating, and it just is so. Like when I watch it, sometimes I have to. I get like there's like this frustration because I think you want the team to win like every possession and every play. So like if it, it's it's frustrating to be like oh that's an easy pass, but they somehow kind of find a way to make it difficult for uh for teams to um themselves. And the other thing like I said I was like get an open three. Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes they get open threes, but it's it's not easy. And it, the way they have that zone set up, like they, it takes away the teams getting advantages out of pick and rolls and stuff because the Hornets just switch it and they don't have to worry. They don't have to do any like four on fives, five on fours and stuff. Yeah, you have and like I'm, two guys in help like pretty much all the time. Yeah, guys are running pick and rolls, and if if even if they do get a look from three, like it's not wide open. Usually, like the whole point of a zone is to get guys to like bait, just bait them into shooting threes that look open mm-hmm. that really aren't because you can just rotate so quickly. And just yeah. have a guy right there. And I mean yeah. that that and James Borrego has I've 
to just to his credit, just all around this year, has done a good job of putting players in advantageous situations like playing a zone and like having Devontae still be like the team's lead playmaker while he's going through the slump and like i honestly think him be still being a good passer is like helping him slowly work his way out of it like he, he's been yeah. doing a good job of putting guys in positions to succeed this year um yes and, and, and i'm talking. so proud of us to t- about talking about defense to start this podcast is that on? um <laughs> you were talking about the <laughs> opportunity for shooting a three having fast Scars, you know, that you can catch up to that three point shot and at least contest in some way is pivotal to making that work. Yeah. Um, the other thing, by the way, what last thing on the defense, um, so, just something to like keep in mind as the season, like, it probably won't, I don't know if it'll happen this year, it probably won't. Um, but in the future, when it comes to like ma- playoff matchups and especially against superstars. Uh, the Hornets' recent returns on guarding superstars, other than Joel Embiid, who's a different kind of superstar, is very promising. Like the second to last game of last season, James Harden did nothing. Oh, uh, I think he had double-digit turnovers. Um, he did. I remember because Eric caught. He was like, "Oh, he has a triple double with yeah. turnover." And it went like viral on Twitter. I remember that. And wow, then, I'm, glad uh, you, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good memory. And then. Um, and then Luca did nothing in the win over the Mavericks. And then Trey Young has been just put like put in a headlock for the two games the Hornets have played the Hawks. Uh, so all the teams they play with these like ball dominant guards and wings, the Hornets have completely taken the best play- teams, other teams' best player out of the game and won the games. So just something to keep in mind, you know, in the future as the Hornets are potentially in playoff matchups. Hopefully, with this still this coaching staff here, and they have a chance to adjust to how other teams operate. I think that's a promising sign for the coaching staff's ability to game plan for other teams' strengths. And not only that, but the, the Hornets players to just be like, hey, guys, this is what we're going to do just tonight. Uh, we have no time to practice it, but this is what we're going to do, okay? And then the Hornets, the players can do it. Um, Doing all of that without any practice in between. Yeah, exactly. It's a good – I think it says a lot about the, the basketball IQ of the Hornets roster, especially for how young they are. Uh, one other thing. Uh, PJ Washington at center looks gross most of the time, I think, but it works. Uh, agree it's or so weird. I, I agree. It's not aesthetically <laughs> pleasing because like, like you think like in basketball, like, Oh, when the guy gets, you know, bullied at the rim for rebounds and stuff like that. And every shot that a team makes is like right in front of the rim that that's bad. But then you also <laughs> remember like that's two points. And three points is more than two points, and mm-hmm. the three point sure shots is. don't go in very often. So that's 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 really the the positive that you get. It's it's <laughs> it's so weird how it's like not aesthetically pleasing at all, but it works on offense. It, it looks nice, but de- yeah, defense is not not good. Do you Jack, do, do, yeah, go think back. it's where he should be in order for not only him to succeed but the team to succeed as a whole? It it's it's able to work in kind of a patchwork style where like we'll give biz a lot of minutes at the center but then in certain circumstances especially when we want to play small we'll put pj there his development to be honest with you to be playing that now like we said in the preseason it'll be interesting to see if he can develop into a stretch five and we can play like a next generation style of basketball um it's interesting to see how he's changing his game in order to play that. And I'm not sure if it's like 
great for his development. It's it it'll it, I think we'll have to see how that goes for like the course of the season because I think I I don't, I don't have all his individual stats up right now, but his individual stats when he's playing center are much better than when he's playing power forward. Just obviously he just has it's easier for him to move to get rebounds. Yeah, yeah, he's able to drive past slower defenders and stuff. Um, the Hornets with PJ Washington or the Hornets without Biz or Cody on the court. So basically without a traditional center, which is mostly when PJ Washington is playing center. Um, I'll talk about somebody else in a second. Uh, they are plus 13.3 points per 100 possessions. Um, they're in the 86 percentile in their offensive rating and their defensive rating each. So good on both ends of the court, mainly because uh, they generate a ton of turnovers and they get a bunch of fast break points and the other teams cannot cannot get good looks in transition because I guess of the athleticism the Hornets have on the court. By the way, as we do this live, Biz is dropping dimes to Hayward tonight. I know. That was that was a nice pass <laughs> that he just made. Yeah. Yes, but oh. Hay- Hayward makes it easy because he's made yeah. just, a, just a wide open layup. And <laughs> Hayward's been playing amazing this entire season, but is having the game of his life tonight. I think he uh, made like a career high for the first half in points for his career. Yeah, it's 28, 28 points in the first half, which is career high points and a half. Uh, breaking the record he set, uh, what, seven, uh, five days ago. So good job. Um, <laughs> just break. But you like the way the team is playing? Do you do you like uh, I, to yeah, watch so. games? I know we talked about all season last season. Now this is such a fun team. This is a fun competitive team this season. Uh, you know we haven't said his name yet, but Lamelo Ball is just interjecting energy every time he's on the court. Yes, he's been extremely fun to watch. Well, real quick before we go to that, uh, one more stat. Uh, with the, the the center small ball lineups, the Hornets have played 46 possessions with Miles Bridges at center. Uh, do you think they've gone good or bad? Pro- like I want to say good, but the, I feel like the numbers would would not back me up on that. Actually, yeah, no, they, they probably they might be pretty good, honestly. What'd you say, Zach? I I'd say bad. Okay, well, uh, the numbers don't back up either one of you. They've been fantastic. And 46 possessions huh. with Miles Bridges at center. Uh, so again, small sample size alert. 46 possessions is like uh, a quarter Very of a small. game. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't. Uh, it's hard to say. I think I think that 46 possessions. It could be half a game or a quarter of a game. I think it's half of a game. Either way, Hornets 46 possessions uh, plus 19.5 points per 100 possessions. Jesus. Uh, yeah. So Miles Bridges is actually a center. I've made that determination uh, right now. Yeah, but, maybe Miles Bridges is the backup center that <laughs> right. game was looking for. Yes. Half a game worth of. <laughs> yes, uh, but to Zach's previous question that you're you're bringing up, uh, they have been very fun to watch. To me, um, I like the, the the pace is fun. Um, than I would like, I would like if they made more shots. They haven't been shooting very well, but like the, the pace is fun, the energy is fun. Um, that zone, that kind of amoeba zone defense is forcing a lot of turnovers, which is it's fun to see get steals and runouts and stuff like that. So, I I don't other than like it's been very it's been very fun watching the Hornets. Like I was I made it a point to I've gone like out of my way to watch Hornets games when I normally would be like ah, I can't really watch tonight. I'll just catch up on it later. Yeah, I'd say their worst game was the home game where they wore the uh, mint 
jerseys against yeah. the Grizzly, Grizzlies, where I thought they were going to stomp them without a, mm-hmm. a jaw. But they seemed like they were they were stuck in mud. They weren't uh, passing the ball like they normally do. They've been over 30 assists, I think, for eight of the 10 games. And I think they had something mm-hmm. like... Oh, they are far they away. They lead the league in assist percentage by a, by a comfortable margin. It's actually, yes. I think, would be the best uh, in NBA history. By yes, I think it would game. right now. Yeah, they're at 74.4 assist percentage right now, and Miami is second at 68.4. Yeah. Last is Orlando at 51.9. Like, they average 24 or 23 assists more than Orlando does per game. Or percent. 23% or percentage. More, sorry, yeah. yeah. Basically a game. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, it's it's been very aesthetically pleasing to watch um and the, the passing is great there were a couple a couple games and it is it, it, it every game goes this way where the offense tends to get more and more uh isolation as the game goes on teams tend to move the ball better at the beginning of the games i don't have any evidence to back that up right now but i just it's it seems like every time time i'm like following a box score it always seems the assists are pretty front heavy but there have been a number of games where in like the first quarter first half the hornets will have like or something crazy like that. That would make sense. Oh, they're championship contender. Oh, for sure. I I can't see any team that's going to beat them in a seven-game series if you play just one quarter throughout the whole playoff. Can I ask real real quick just a a question about aesthetics? Yes. What did you think of the mint jerseys at home? We've seen them away and at home. What did you think about the jerseys? I like them and a the lot. court, the new court. I like all of it a lot. It's all great. I thought they looked really good with the court, but with uh, without it, they didn't look like they looked like kind of like pale almost on team. Not that they look bad, but they don't look quite. They don't pop the same without the uh, like gray and gold court almost. Yeah, I will say by the way, if I went to uh, I went to Dick's Sporting Goods the other day, and they had some of that Mint City stuff, and it looks great. It really looks so good in person. Oh yeah, I got a Devonte like Graham Mint City jersey for Christmas. Shout yeah, out to it my girlfriend. Great. It's so nice. <laughs> I ordered some awesome. shorts. I haven't gotten them yet. I'm supposed to get them by like January 25th because I ordered them on like December 3rd. So makes sense. But um, <laughs> I liked it. I thought that maybe they blended in a little bit with the home court. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it kind of better away because it was a contrast between the two. But yeah, man. They're the, the Hornets and Grizzlies, I think, have just uh, made the made an agreement that they're just going to play great Jersey games. Because last year, I don't know if it was both games, but I know we played. They played here. I think we've, maybe it was both games. We played the retro jerseys. I think um, it was like they played on their retro court with their retro, their teal uh, Vancouver jerseys or Vancouver looking jerseys, and we played with our pinstripes. Which I don't know if we're doing the pinstripes this year. Like the old oh, yeah. ones. That's a good this point. Could, they must not be. Yeah. Maybe because the New Jerseys are pinstripes, they're like, we'll have skip the classics for a year. Haven't they done every color too? Like white, yeah. teal, and purple? Yeah, they have. Okay. I hope they do that while we're talking on the jerseys, and we'll move on in a second. But I hope they do that with the Mint City jerseys. Maybe like do the Mint for another like for a year or two, and then do like what uh, Miami did, how they just kind of rotated through the color scheme. Like have some like uh, graphite jerseys with like Ooh, Mint and nice. Teal. And then I don't know how gold would work, but... Just kind of keep building off that color scheme in different ways. 
just get off my lawn. Let's just keep it, you know, <laughs> bring it back retro a little bit too. Let's not f- fix something that wasn't broken. Is all I'm saying. But I, I hear you. That sounds. I was, great. It was. It was funny. Like my mom texted me when they were wearing them. She's like, "Do you like these?" I was like, "Yes." And she's like, "I like the other ones better." I'm like, "She's like, I like the ones with purple better." I was like, "I mean, you can. That's fine, but these are good too. Like you don't have to just. They don't have to wear just one jersey forever. Like they. They can all be good." You pick a side, Jonathan, and you close your eyes to every other opinion. Haven't you learned that? My my favorite is the white pinstripe jerseys. They have to, or I will be mad. Um, is there any other uh general like team as a whole thing before we get into buzzing and wasn't, and uh, talk about some individuals that have been particularly note notable? Uh, I think just in like two sentences, it's I think it's been interesting, like the back end of the rotation, like Caleb, Cody and Jalen McDaniels. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cody Martin has like kind of stunk today. So like it'll be <laughs> it'll be like I think Borrego is is honestly just doing it. Like if you had a good game, you're in. And if you didn't, then I'm going to go to like whichever guy sat. So like maybe Jalen McDaniels will play. Uh, Wednesday yeah well I don't know they're probably not going to play Wednesday so probably (laughs) Friday after that yeah yeah yeah, exactly so it's 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 been kind of cool to watch him like tinker around with the last like three guys I do the last week or so the other thing I guess we'll say because none of them have played and I don't know if he had any plans to bring these up uh the this are not going to be the solution to the Hornets uh center problem maybe eventually but uh they're not there yet. I, I they haven't played much, but I don't know if people realize or remember like how hard it is for second round picks to come in and contribute on teams that are winning games in a like at a special way. There are obviously exceptions, but Richards is a raw player despite going to Kentucky for three years. And Vernon Carey is uh same basically very a couple months older than Lamelo, and he's not the transcendent talent that Lamelo is. Um, no, he's he's not, and um just. Just as a PSA, if you've seen Malik Monk, if you know his whereabouts, <laughs> please call one eight hundred. Can't get on the court. <laughs> the other and the answer to that question is like everybody. I've seen there have been a lot of talk about what's the reason for him not playing and like is there stuff going on behind the scenes. I think the answer is just like he's just not good enough to get on the court. Um, oh, the monk monk heads are furious, furious. He can't <laughs> yeah, get any time. He just he's just not good enough to get on the court. Um. Somebody asked me, and I and I kind of and I I appreciate the way they asked me because it kind of it was helped me give like the best explanation that I've given yet. Is like, look, Malik Monk is can have some explosive games uh, throughout the course of a season. The problem is you don't know when they're going to come. You can't just be like, oh, we need a spark. Let's put in Malik Monk because there's like a ninety percent chance he just goes out there and does just as poorly as everybody else is on those off nights. Um, and a coach with it is going to take somebody that he can trust to be consistently okay over a player that's great like once and bad eight or nine times and And breaker's looking to shorten the rotation not extend it for sure yeah so yeah it's fun as a fan to watch to like have monk in there to play seven or eight games because it because and then it'll be fun when he explodes for that game for 25 points or whatever it's just it's not worth the sacrifice of what happens in all the games in between on that uh, we'll talk more about individual players on the other side of this break. We'll do buzzing and wasn't the return. Uh, and the the Hornets are up twelve with three minutes to go in the third quarter. Correct. For those of you who don't, you probably know how the game ends by now, but we don't. So <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> we'll, see it. we'll see you on the other side of the break.
welcome back to the at the hive podcast we are going to go from last year uh buzzing and wasn't which is basically like stock up stock down uh all that kind of stuff um we'll start should we start with the good or the bad i mean let's start with yeah, let's do, let's start good. There's two, already enough bad news in the world. Let's start with good. <laughs> is there? Is there really? Um, <laughs> all right. Well, Zach, go ahead. Who's your who's who's buzzing? Miles Bridges is buzzing, gentlemen. <laughs> yes, Miles is. Bridges. There was a there was a, a way this season would go. Miles Bridges gets buried at the bench, kind of like the um, monk situation. Where, hey, we got Gordon Hayward. We're good to go in your position. We're not going to uh, be creative and try to put you in, in different positions to see if you'll succeed there. But he has stepped up. 10-game um, sample size. So it's a small sample size. Nine points a game. Six rebounds a game. The man, for his career, is 32% from the three-point line. He's shooting 40% this season. He has seems to be a really good... God, you don't want to say Robin to LaMelo's Batman or anything, but a good partner with LaMelo um, when LaMelo is searching for a good assist or sh- searching for an outlet. Um, he's playing within the team, but he's also finding ways to step out and to be a star. And he's getting about 10 minutes less a game than the starters. And he's using those 10 minutes to do all that he can. He struggled a few games. But Miles Bridges is my buzz, and he's just played really well. The thing about Miles for me is that uh, to kind of like, and to your point about you know there was a way the season could go where he could disappear, um, being relegated to the bench. He is fully bought into being the energy bench guy. Like he's defending with intensity. He hasn't been getting even when he does. He's been playing with more intensity now that to make up for mistakes. He's been had games where he's rebounded like a monster. Um, the shooting has been good. He's just, he's become like, the problem with him before was that he wasn't doing the little things well enough. And he's become a player that's doing the little things well that help the team win. And that's been, that's become like his go-to uh, way to help the team. He last year, to your point, last year, he was one of the worst. I think he was the worst maybe on the team in on-off rating. Uh, this year, he's second best. So when he's on the court, the Hornets outscore. Or when he's on the the court, the Hornets net rating when he's on the court is thirteen point six points better than when he's off, which is a big boost. And his so, he's gotten so making... much better at defense too. Yeah, since yeah. last year, like he uh, th- he talked about it a lot, like in the preseason that he had been working on that, like especially his off ball defense, and I think that's like very noticeable, especially yeah. when they play zone with how kind of a, like a t- at the beginning of the year it was kind of rough because like the, it was more like a like that three two like matchup zone they were playing uh-huh. against i think it might have been Mem- i think it might have been memphis actually when they got smoked that would actually make a lot of sense but they would like him and pj were both having a lot of trouble with it but now they seem to have rounded into form miles mm-hmm. is like both of miles is a really good rim protector now for a guy that's you know six six and came into the league as a small forward so yeah, yeah. I, he, he has been probably like he's improved the most out of anybody on the Hornets I think we can uh talk about your buzz in Canada because I just saw he got his 10th rebound again yeah he he has a tendency to get into <laughs> the uh double digits in the stat categories so yeah my buzzing for for this week is going to be the youngest player ever in NBA history to record a triple double the man who was always going to be a Charlotte Hornet 
LaMelo Ball. Do you guys want to know his per 40 minute averages for this year? Just just a fun little little stat right here for our 19-year-old rookie. He (laughs) averages 20.6 points, 10.1 rebounds, and 9.5 assists per 40 minutes with only 3.4 turnovers and three steals and blocks combined. That like he is a rookie and he averages a 20 point triple double per 40. Right and he's now, not coming not off a, of the a bench. Rookie. He's a rookie, a very young rookie by like any standards because he turned 19 around when training camp would normally getting be getting opened up. Like he just turned 19. Yeah, and he had no preseason, no summer league, nothing. He nothing. just came in and he said, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to make a lot of people that try to defend me look ridiculous. And that's exactly what's happening. He's, uh, I put the poll up on at the hive and I did not review the final results, but when I last checked, I think it was like 60, 40. Yes. Uh, will LaMelo ball average a triple double for a whole season at some point in his career? Oh, absolutely. Within, within <laughs> five years, I would bet a hundred dollars that he does that within five years. He has been. He knows where his stats are as the game goes on. Oh, ca- he knows absolutely. exactly how many rebounds he has, <laughs> how many assists he has, and the points as well. Um, did you guys know I was the youngest to get a triple Mick double, which is when you eat three <laughs> double cheeseburgers in one sitting? I did not. Um, my mom is very. My mom is very proud. My mom is very proud. We're, I'm um, proud too. Now that I learned that, <laughs> he's been amazing. He's been amazing, and. You know, I just said he he's mindful of his stats, but the team seems to love him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, there was this like controversy where people thought that him and Bismack were like kind of fighting with each other a little bit coming off the bench until you realize they were having a titty twister contest on the bench. <laughs> um, it, you know. I love that camaraderie. I was worried that he would be a, a, you know, my stats first type of person. And although he is aware of his stats, he, he loves being part of a team. Um, when they were yeah. interviewing him after the uh, New Orleans game, they were like, you know, uh, what about your, you know, playing against Lonzo? And he's like, hey, man, we got the win over here. We're all smiles over <laughs> here. Like he's about the team, which is great to see on a player who is, you know, in the infancy of stardom. Yes. It's it's very weird as a Hornets fan to have a player that is just, like, right out of the gates where we don't have to, like, convince ourselves. Like, yeah, no, 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 he's way better than anybody else thinks he is. Just trust us. Where it's just like, yeah, no, everybody, like, agrees around the league. Like, yeah, this guy is a superstar in the making. And he's actually realizing that, like, immediately. Um the other thing is, even for me, and it's it's been hot and cold. Like he's one for ten right now. I don't know where in the game tonight shooting. Um, the three point shot I think has been better than a lot of people expected it to be. He's at thirty five point six percent coming into the next game, uh, which I, I expect him to finish around like the thirty percent mark, like in the lower thirties, higher twenties. But I think there were I think people were expecting him to be just like a non shooter and a non scorer, and that he's quickly. Uh, extinguish that take yeah like the whole thing was the was inefficiency and yeah. like he's averaging or shooting 43 and a half percent from the field 35.6 percent from three 72 percent from the line like that's not inefficient so i mean <laughs> and no and any but the only problem that people had was that so like if if he even if he he could drop off a little bit and still that wouldn't even be a remote issue and no. sam Vestini talked about this 
on like, on his podcast, but like it is alarming how quick he has figured out like <laughs> how to be good at the NBA basketball. Like he like for his him to be able to get this this quickly with no preseason or training camp or summer league or anything and just like going on the court, especially after missing so much of the season in the NBL to begin with, mm-hmm. and then just coming out and, and doing this like that really, really speaks to his IQ, not only with basketball, but just generally with like just how to prepare to become a professional for the you know, the career path that you have chosen. Like yeah. <laughs> it's it's really like exceptional how how well he's like even I, who was like one of his biggest fans on of any Charlotte Hornets adjacent person on the internet. <laughs> like I, I was begging for them to draft him since like very early on, like last season. Like I thought this season would be rough kind of with him, like scoring and shooting. Like I, I too expected him to finish like shooting like 28% from three or something like that. But I mean, his catch and shoot shot looks like, I mean, the, the mechanics are not ideal, but like a lot of players have ugly jump shots and they go in. So like if it goes in and it doesn't get blocked, like he doesn't really, he doesn't have to change it. And it's so far that's what's happening. So it's, it's really, it's pretty incredible how quickly he's gotten this figured out. Yeah. Like the, like the, the line graph of his project production game over game, like how steeply it's ascended from just from game one to game 10 is has been amazing like kind of to your point chase um what were you gonna say that speak of the devil speak of the devil he just led a fast break where he dropped a dime to one of the martin brothers and yeah threw it down slammed so aware of the court and i mean i guess we knew that with him coming in but it's a different game going from the N- nbl to the M- yeah he's a he's, he's those in- cross court passes yeah yeah we had, a, we had accepted in the nba yeah we had a touchdown pass tonight to Gordon Hayward that I don't know the NBA, but it has. Um, he's awesome to watch. He's he's incredibly fun to watch. Um, my buzzin is another player we talked about a little bit is a uh, uh, Gordon Hayward. Um, very expensive. Chase talked about the youngest player. I talk about the most expensive, the oldest and most expensive player. Um, Gordon Hayward. So one thing I was worried about with Gordon Hayward, and they they talked about it a little bit. Um, and, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. It'd be. So Gordon Hayward tends, seems to be the type of player that, uh, can try to fit into a fault. Um, we're trying, you know, like trying to find where he fits in. And that happened a little bit in Boston. I can't remember what year it was, but, um, one of the years he missed a couple, it might've been last year in the bubble where he was out for a little bit and it took him a while to kind of get back into form as he tried to find his place. Cause he doesn't, he seems to try to avoid stepping on people's toes. So I was mentally prepared for Gordon Hayward to average like 14 or 15 points a game for the first few weeks of the season and people to be very mad that we decided another Nick Batum and he would gradually uh, take on more and more of an alpha role. Um, he has much like a ball done that much quicker than expected with, you know, culminating the 44 point game the other night. Um, he's up to 32 right now entering the fourth quarter against the Knicks tonight. Uh, so he's, he's, he's buzzing big time. He's been a really good passer so far this season too. Like he's, would, yeah, he might be like the second best point guard on the team <laughs> right now. <laughs> Where is that? Yeah, four four assists a game, five rebounds a game, averaging twenty one. It if you're gonna put the leader label on a player on this team, I think Gordon Hayward is the leader. Kind of how he goes is how 
the team goes. You'll see Terry pop off for 45, pop off for 34, but the team will lose. When Gordon Hayward plays like a star, we usually win that game. Um, I've been really impressed with him. Now, it's the, the caveat is that the first year, two years of this contract, we're going to be the good years anyway. But at least we're getting the good years. At least we're seeing the good play. Um, yeah. Even though he had the, the hand injury earlier. Um, but yeah, and, and he's been fun to watch. And he's been fun to... I was worried that he would come in and just be like, well, you know, I was on a championship contender last year. I'm just going to mess around and get what I need to get. He's been getting what he needs to get inside Borrego's system, and it's fun to watch. Yeah. they. Uh, <clears throat> Miles Bridges just got another dunk. Hornets are up 16, so this is going well. Oh, I just I can't, oh, did that right after you said it. You guys must be like <laughs> 10 seconds ahead of me on the uh, the local broadcast. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, Gordon Hayward has kind of been – and he's – the other thing about him, too, to the league, like – uh, I can't remember what game it was. It was one of the ones that the Hornets won pretty ugly. And it was just like, and I, he didn't play that well, but he hit like two or three big shots just kind of out of nowhere in the fourth quarter when the offense was kind of stagnant and they looked like they were, they needed to be bailed out and he bailed them out. And that's just kind of what he's here for. Like, hey, Gordon, like either late in the game or just when stuff's not going well, just say, like, Gordon, save us, please. And he's done that so far. It was all, um, he's 50 50- from uh from the field which is crazy oh yeah he's uh he could definitely make 50 40 90 yeah. this year yeah he's at yeah he's at 49 38 91 that would be a, a good get um let's flip it around and go bad who's who's been bad who who wasn't buzzing zach zach wasn't for this week is jonathan DeLong. oh yeah i'll tell you I about this about gentleman talk about the show a lot of, hat, forgot. a lot of hats <laughs> on this guy <laughs> a lot of hats on this guy, right? Well, so manager, many hats. Can't get leader, he's, he's a podcast host. <laughs> it's really hard to get through doors. <laughs> he's a very prolific writer. Um, he, he guest hosts on other people. One of his hats is being the... Wait, 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 wait. See gotta... basketball oh, yeah. league. <laughs> Yeah, one of the hats that he wears is being the commissioner of the At the Hive Fantasy Basketball League. Okay, uh-huh. in in the middle of the pandemic season, when the NBA itself is thinking about shutting down for a few weeks because there's not enough players, how many bench players do you think this this guy gives? He knows <laughs> so much about basketball. He gives me three bench spots and one IR spot. Well, I, I had to drop Kemba Walker because he was out. <laughs> Just, that's what, just the that's worst. Give us a pick him up. <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> oh, I picked him up already. Yeah. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw. I, I was, I was I, perusing the the waivers. Like, oh, Kimball Walker's here. He'll be back soon. And then I didn't know why he was there, but now I know. I didn't realize Zach. Yeah. Had <laughs> Shout out to all my league mates. Please DM him. Please let him know. Uh, in my defense, this league. Or we need to impeach. Articles of defense. impeachment for Jonathan DeLong. <laughs> it, it, hand up. In my defense, uh, I'm relatively inexperienced when it comes to fantasy basketball. And I'm not definitely not savvy enough about it to be able to put together like uh, custom settings that are smart. So it's just the default. Everything's just the default ESPN roster size, scoring settings, everything. So uh, 
my defense is that it's ESPN's fault. No excuse. <laughs> I will say, when we did it last year, we it's, had a lot of... You are the soaps, my team. <laughs> in my defense, last year we did one, and somebody else set up the rules, and they did exactly what I was afraid of doing if I messed with them too much. And we had a lot of bench spots. And it was... Uh, there were a lot of teams with a lot of bench spots, and the free agent pool would just be like the, ninth, like the eighth and ninth players in teams' rotations. So it was basically... Whatever your team was that you drafted was just your team because nobody worthwhile was out in the free agent pool. So no that was excuses. my that was my. There, there are plenty of excuses we can keep going with these if I have to. But Chase, it's your turn. So I kind of I have kind of a an anti buzzin because he hasn't actually been bad, but he's being <laughs> treated like he's been bad. Oh yes, it's, that is J- a- J- it's Jalen McDaniels. Get this man on the court. Okay. <laughs> There's no excuse. I, I ha- I'm gonna throw some throw some opinion in here. I think that there is like no plausible reason for how you're constructing a lineup for like for the especially for the second unit to put either Martin Twin on the floor over McDaniel's unless you're down by like 20 and need someone to just like shoot a lot and then you'd put Caleb in. But like if you because he is just as good at defense as either one of them, he's six foot ten, so he's a lot more versatile with how you can use him. Like you can put him on the bottom of the zone, you can put him in the middle of the zone if you need to, and then he could also he can he can play like he can be a three if you want to put PJ Miles on the court as well. So he's you can switch him across a lot of different positions. He I think he's shooting the from three the better the best of the three of them so far this year and. I feel like he has the shortest leash of any of them. Like he he turned the ball over a couple times in I think it was the first game against Philly was the last time he played or it was one of the games against Philly, but he had a couple of bad turnovers and then he just was never seen again. It's, he, it's just weird. I don't I don't he, I don't get it. The JB loves the Martin Twins is what I have <laughs> noticed. Like no matter how well like they have a longer leash than most second round picks and undrafted second yeah. year players do. I think it's part of it is their. Uh, I was about to use the soccer word and say work rate. Uh, I think it's how hard they play is very endearing to coaches. Uh, we got Lamella Ball throwing a touchdown pass to Biz, but the ref called a foul. Um, just be ready for that. Uh, it's a great throw though. Um, McDaniel's at times looks a little uh, unsure of himself with the ball, and I'm sure he'll get back on the court. Like we've talked about, they're just kind of riding the hot hand. Um, he, he's just. I, I don't really have an, a good reason to say why he's not playing. I think it's just uh, Cody Martin's ball handling is better. Caleb Martin's not great, but he's got that the energy and the a potential to be a, like a little more of an alpha mentality, which for better or for worse. And I think that's just kind of what JB's riding with. Yeah, Cody's definitely like the one, the only one of the three that can like handle the ball. That's that probably yeah. probably doesn't play into Jalen's hands at all but i don't know it's just he's when he just looks especially when he's on the court he just look uh, other than you know when he's dribbling the ball because he is kind of unsure of himself and that does lead to the turnovers i think but i mean he just when especially on defense he just looks like he's an impactful player that should be out there with because he's so mobile and so long yeah he's he i think he's gotten not like way stronger but definitely noticeably stronger and he does. He holds his ground like a little better. Like who? Uh, there was one time where 
uh, in the Sixers game. Uh, yeah, it, it must have been the first one because then he got banished after that. Because but Dwight <laughs> Howard like charged to the rim and Jalen just stood there and he didn't, yeah. he didn't move. And Dwight Howard's a pretty big dude, so he's, he's I relatively mean, that's, large. That's, yes. Yeah, that's not it's not easy to do. Like I feel like 2019 Jalen McDaniel's probably would have like broken into pieces like a glass bottle. So I don't. I feel like it's, yeah, you're right that they are riding the hot hand, but I would like him to just be in the rotation every game. I'm a, I'm a pretty big Jalen McDaniels fan this year. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I'm not worried about him. Like one, he's already kind of outplayed his draft position. I think he'll get time That's a good at, point. Some, at some point, um, just as the season progresses, just to see, you know, like ebbs and flows. Um, my wasn't is, I think, the third youngest the third old i'm just going with old people uh is biz after like the first two or three games that he started like i guess over the last week or so biz because he had all right he uh he had a couple games where i was like oh man look at the new biz he's averaging like three assists a game he's catching everything he's going up strong he's going up quick he's got some good touch and then it all just went away very suddenly and now the Hornets are very bad when business is on the court, but they don't really have a choice but to keep them on the court often. Any, any yeah, thoughts? I feel bad for him because we we don't have a we don't have a choice. Yeah, he is the only option if you want a traditional big man on this team, especially when since Jalen is not going to play. <laughs> um, so he. Brego putting people in good positions. Bismack Biombo playing as many minutes he, as he's playing and being uh, any part of the offense, any percentage of the offense is not putting him in a winning position for Bismack Biombo. Um, yeah, he's not he's not playing well, but he's he's not my wasn't because I expect him not to play well. I hate to say it, but that's how I feel about it. Uh the Hornets this year are not so. I guess to what I alluded to earlier. Sorry, I'm trying to do a lot of things at once. Uh, with Bismarck Biombo on the court, the Hornets' net rating is 21.1 points per 100 possessions worse than when he's off the court. That's that's good. That's it's, great. It's it's well, I have something kind of uh, uh, revelatory in a second about that. Their offense is 17.2 points for 100 possessions worse with him on the court, which is just awful, like dreadful, like bigger than the, I think it's bigger than the difference between the best offense and worst offense in the NBA. Now, that net rating, I will say there is one Hornets rotation player who has a winning than Bismack Biombo through 10 games. Can we get some guesses? Yeah. Oh, wait. The worst offensive rating or net rating? No, on off. Like they're on. Oh. oh on okay. off rating. Uh. PJ. K- Caleb Martin. Nope. Nope. I don't know. Cody Martin. Nope. I have no idea. Then. All right. You. you Jalen McDaniels. I, re- well, okay. I refuse. I refuse to guess Devonte Graham. Is not that? no Devonte Graham <laughs> is by far I, the best. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay, he yeah. I wrote a whole article about this, Chase. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, it's Terry Rozier. What are you not reading? (laughs) Terry Rozier. Huh. 
Yeah, I mean, that doesn't that's like entirely surprise me. He's well, been bad on defense this year. Like, so really the bad. With, the thing with his tear of his ear is that uh, he was also very bad in this metric last year, which is concerning. This is kind of a preemptive wasn't, I guess, because Tara's ear has been too good in, like, on an individual basis for me to say to like say anything other than he's been good on an individual basis. But it is something to keep an eye on, that the Hornets, despite the fact that he's been shooting so well for the most part, are just awful when he's on the court. And when Devontae Graham's not, when he's on the court without Devontae Graham, the Hornets are a train wreck. So, um, just something to keep an eye on. And like you said, Chase, his defense is really bad. I think people assume he's a good defender because he looks like he should be a good defender, but he doesn't really try, so that doesn't really matter. Yeah, he tries when the guy in front of him has the ball, like, yeah. in a triple threat position. Not even all the time, but like, well, yeah, he doesn't put in. He would be good. He just doesn't put in effort. It's, if the guy in front of him has the ball in the triple threat position and it's like Kyrie Irving or Damian Lillard or something, he'll try. If it's like Emmanuel quickly, for Emmanuel example. Emmanuel quickly. Yeah, like, <laughs> he will not try. So, uh, yeah, he's that's that's been concerning. And then he's 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 just a shooting. Like I think at this point we can agree he's just a, he's an off guard, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. There are so many oh, yeah. uh, Hornets fans that like think he's the 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 point guard and Devonte is the shooting guard, which has never computed in my head. <laughs> no, Devontae's the point guard, and I will say with all Devonte's shooting struggles. He's been very good otherwise. Um, and he, uh, you can tell that James Borrego trusts him like more than maybe more than anybody, maybe Gordon Hayward, but Gordon Hayward's new here. Um, in these like in late game situations and high leverage situations, Devontae Graham has the ball in his hands. Devontae Graham orchestrates everything. So um, Julius Randle just got good for- into a uh, pushing match with uh, Bismack Biombo. Old Julius Randle, it is not Biz's fault that your career is going down the drain. Hey, he's he's in a great all star team this year. Hey, he's he's yeah, averaging like yeah, 24, yeah, 12, doing, and 7. He's doing he well this year. He's doing well. He he's knew averaging he signed 24, up for. 12, and 7. Oh, he, he absolutely did. You knew what you signed up for when you signed with the Knicks, Julius. You knew what you signed up for. Even when they hired Tom Thibodeau, that's not going to help. It's not 2010 he, anymore. He gave Biz a boo-boo. He gave <laughs> Biz a boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, also not might not be good, given what we just talked about, might not be good for the Knicks' uh, game plan. Um, looking ahead, uh, it's hard to say, obviously, like the whole season's up here. The Hornets coming up, uh, I just want to talk about this, about this real quick. So the Hornets' next game is on Wednesday, which is against the Dallas Mavericks. That's what's on the schedule as of this recording. I don't think it's going to be on the schedule as of seven o'clock on Wednesday night because the Mavericks just got uh, Monday night's game postponed because they have players out with COVID. Um, I don't think they're going to have a roster by Wednesday. Maybe they will. Who knows? But that means the Hornets will play again until Friday. I think, or maybe not. I lost it. Oh, they play Saturday against the Raptors and they play back-to-back games against the Raptors who have been bad. Do you think the Hornets, assuming they hold on to this uh, 18 point lead with six minutes to go, can they make it five in a row against the Raptors? I mean, that would be the uh, like the gri- like how order. we felt going into the Grizzlies game, right? Like being like, oh, you know, this team is way worse than they should be, and the Hornets are pretty <laughs> good right now. We should roll them, and then they got destroyed. So I feel like they could, they definitely could, because the Raptors have been terrible. Anything, anything good. 
still happen. <laughs> it, it'll be interesting point. to see. <laughs> did the Mavericks, did someone on the Mavericks get COVID or was it a uh, tracing from a different Multiple game? People was it tracing do. from the 76ers game? No, Maxi Kleba has okay, it. Okay, gotcha. Then... So. They have more players, though. They said that more players tested positive. I think they have yeah, three players tested positive too. Yeah. So I assume Maxi Kleber was at a club, not social oh, distancing. That seems like Maxi Kleber. If, kind of if I know Maxi Kleber, if I know Maxi Kleber, that's what Maxi Kleber was doing. Right. So the Mavericks should forfeit. We should get that fifth win <laughs> and just move to the move to the Raptor. Forfeit then. due to disregarding I, of the safety protocols. It, precisely. And look, with the Raptors in Tampa Bay, that's right, I pronounced it correctly, <laughs> um, I, I think the Raptors are a better team. I, I think we might lose that game, though. They're scrappy. They, they, win, the ga- or they win the games that they're supposed to lose a lot of times. Uh, shout out to the Nets. They have some to win. No shout out to the Grizzlies. And uh, <laughs> I, I think they could have a chance on Thursday. Yeah. So again, this, this is this is kind of assuming we don't play against the Maverick. The Hornets will play against the Mavericks, uh, which is another whole different issue because if the if the Hornets do play the Mavericks, I don't know who actually plays for the Mavericks because of all the stuff going on. But uh, I think as the time you guys listen, as the Hornets are six and five, um, the schedule is not terribly difficult coming up. Like I said, the Raptors have been bad, but like Zach, you just said, they're not. Like I think they'll probably be good at some point, right? They're still the Raptors. But then it's uh, you would hope, home, so. yeah. And then it's home for the Wizards, home for the Bulls, and then a couple games at the Magic. So I think we have some fun Hornets basketball on the horizon. As long as the games get played, knock on all the wood in the world. As long, <laughs> yes, as long as the woods get, as long as yes, knock on all the woods. Um, with that, <laughs> is there anything else uh, you guys wanted to touch on before we let everybody go on about the rest of the day? No, you're all free to go. I mean, stay safe out there. (laughs) Yes, please stay safe out there. No trespassing. (laughs) No trespassing, yes. (laughs) It took me a second. I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) That's all I wanted to Yep, I just want to leave that there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, stay safe. Stay out of trouble. Um, We're going to try to do this weekly again, right, guys? Um, Now that I think, at least for me personally, life has settled back down. So... Uh, try to do this weekly, and uh, sure. now that Jonathan's life is back in order. Well, yeah, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. No, it, I, I to just like like let the curtain down a little bit. I've been in my head. I've been trying, and like Zach has messaged a couple times to try to get uh, on the show, and I've been like, actually, no, I can't do it today. No, I can't do it tomorrow. But I like in my head, I'm like I need we need a podcast. But I'm just like I have so many things that I have to worry about, and I just like never got around to do, I just didn't have like the mental bandwidth to like sit down and do a podcast. So we're here now and uh, we'll do more podcasts weekly, but thanks for listening. And thanks for waiting for this. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. See you. Peace out. Chase, you're going to say bye. Eh, see you guys. <laughs>